KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. As the pandemic continues, there's a lot of focus, and obviously so, on physical health, avoiding infection, caring for those who do have COVID-19. But there is also a very big mental health burden we have to and will have to continue to deal with for some time. What are the effects of long stretches of quarantine? How is life in quarantine or in the midst of a pandemic overall affecting people who already were living with mental health concerns? It's a big problem. We'll continue to get bigger for some insight. We reached out to Dr. Rachel Daltrey. She is the director of the Counseling Center at Westchester University, a licensed psychologist, also an associate associate professor at Westchester University. We had a really interesting and insightful conversation. Give a listen. There is obviously a lot on everyone's plate, no matter what part of society you're in, what your job is, what you're dealing with. But as someone who deals with mental health, what are some of the biggest concerns you have about folks, uh, problems that we're going to be dealing with that are probably going to last well past the virus? Yeah, well, I think, you know, this is a, it's a pandemic. So this is a, a unique time uh, with a lot of different stressors and um, consequences to it. Um, so I think there's there's the trauma that happens of, ha- of being involved in a pandemic where people are getting sick, people are dying, people are having to quarantine, their lives are changing, people are losing their jobs, people are losing events. So like graduations, uh, students being in school, celebrations, you know, weddings, things like that, funerals, there's a lot of loss and there's a lot that's involved in that. So I think that impacts people in a lot of different ways. It impacts everybody. It just depends on how. For those that have pre-existing conditions, pre-existing mental health problems, those symptoms and those concerns are getting exacerbated. For those that may have not struggled with mental health concerns, are maybe for the first time experiencing mental health concerns. So there's just a lot to deal with and it's a lot to process all at once. Everything we knew about life is different right now. I need to get something from the grocery store. It's not that simple. You know, like, okay, do I have my mask? Do I have my hand sanitizer? Do I have what, you know, my Clorox wipe? We have to think about everything so much more and that takes a mental toll. The other piece of it is access to mental health care. Right now, a lot of therapists aren't seeing people in person. They're doing teletherapy um, because it's just not safe to be in a room with somebody for an extended period of time, and it's hard to social distance. And so teletherapy is allowing for a little bit more access, but people may not have money or insurance coverage, or there may not be enough mental health providers in their area to get the care that they need. So it's kind of like a a two-pronged battle that we're facing. Obviously, one of the driving forces of this pandemic is the idea of quarantine is the idea of isolation and you talk about you know exacerbating in some cases previous mental health conditions there are a lot of people that maybe live somewhere where the family's on the other side of the country or they're just in a situation where maybe the family isn't part of their life and they can't see friends, they're not going to work, maybe they've lost their job. Specifically, kind of the idea of solitary that a lot of people are dealing with, not of their own choosing. What are your concerns about this extended period and and what it could lead to? Yeah, well, I think, you know, isolation is is used in prisons and in warfare as as forms of punishment and torture um, in that way. 
so I think there, there's a lot of negative impact when you don't have those social connections or the, you know, we're social beings, we're used to being around others. Uh, we're not able to, I think of our healthcare workers, you know, where they may be separated by their family because they don't want to bring, you know, if they're working in the hospital, they don't want to bring the virus home or expose their family to that. So it creates a lot of that isolation um, or just that physical touch. People don't have that physical touch. I've been trying to use the term physical distance rather than socially distance of like, how do we still stay socially connected while keeping physically, you know, some space between us. But it's just hard because we're, we're alone with our thoughts then. And a lot of us, you know, stay busy. So we're not sitting there thinking as much or we don't typically have that much time to sit and think. And when we have all of that space and time, um, that can kind of get us really into our head. And again, exacerbate those symptoms, um, make those symptoms worse or have those symptoms reemerge. We as, as humans tend to be very busy. We're not used to having this much time to, to be with our thoughts. And we don't have the skills. Uh, we haven't been taught the skills. We haven't learned the skills to figure out how do we deal with these thoughts? How do we deal with these feelings? How do we deal with these emotions in, in healthy ways? What should, if we know someone that's in this situation, you know, I'm in Jersey, but this friend of mine from college lives in Utah. What should we be looking for? What are, you know, if we reach out, don't hear back or get a weird answer, but like, what are some things we should be keeping an eye on if we've got concerns about people in that situation? Yeah, I think um, just people changing, being different, maybe being more distant, not as engaged. Uh, Maybe the language that they are using, they're sounding more down, they're sounding more hopeless, they're less engaged. Again, some of that is normal. And I think it's okay to ask people about it. Like, how are you doing? I'm noticing this. I'm hearing these things. I'm concerned because of this. So we can kind of have those conversations that we don't typically have. I was talking with a friend the other day, you know, we do the, hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. And we just go along our ways. We don't actually like say how we're doing. We don't actually ask, how are we actually doing? And I think that's something that would be important for us to, to start doing or continue doing with people and just be like, no, no, how are you? Or like, hey, I'm really struggling. Like, I'm feeling so lonely. Like, how are you doing? It seems like, you know, you're, you're feeling down or, it's, you know, I'm noticing these things. To really engage in those conversations to kind of help build some of those connections with one another. What are, are there other things we can do is to just go out of your way to have a conversation with someone, you know, maybe something that four months ago was a three-word text, now is a phone call and a half-hour conversation. How important, if you've got those concerns, is putting out that extra effort? I think they're very important, especially if you're not able to see them in person, say, you know, there is a distance or there's concerns around health and well-being of, you know, make that extra effort, you know, do that check-in or another check-in or drop a phone call. And even if people don't engage with it a lot, you know, that can mean a lot for somebody just to be like, somebody does care or somebody is there if I need it. Some people may not do it right away. Sometimes we have to be persistent with that and just say, hey, I'm just going to, you know, you don't have to respond. I just want to say I'm thinking of you or I hope you're well or, hey, do you want to hop on a phone call or a Zoom? We can, I know people can play games, you know, through Zoom and things like that together. Hey, do you want to do something like that? Just again, just to try to have that engagement. As someone in the psychology counseling field, do we as a American populace, I don't know if appreciate is the word I'm looking for, but we're going to have a significant mental health crisis in this country as a result of this, and it's going to last well past the virus. Am I being overdramatic, or, or is that pretty much the case? I think that's fair. I think that's a fair statement of 
Um, again, so much has happened in this amount of time. So many lives have changed. There's been so many consequences. Um, it's going to be normal that we're struggling with our mental health. And, and some people are going to be struggling more significantly. And, and it's not a focus. You know, I, I think our culture forgets about that. You know, thinking about on the news, we don't hear about people talking about mental health. We don't hear about, hey, these are the resources um, that you can engage in or, you know, investment in resources for people. Um, so I, I think it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come strong and hard, unfortunately. I mean, we're not prepared to handle that at all as we're currently wired as a country, correct? Correct. Yeah. And, and just to think about like our physical well-being like seeing hospitals not having the resources they need for the physical side of things and mental health is way, way beyond, you know, the, the physical health in terms of resources. So I, I think, I, I hope it comes to light before it gets really bad. I hope, I hope people start investing and, and thinking about it. I've seen numbers of uh, addictions spiking during this quarantine and, you know, it kind of goes along with everything else that makes sense. If, it's something you've been battling or fighting that this would lead to this. I'm assuming that doesn't surprise you at all. And do you expect to see that continue once again, well past the virus? Yeah, no, definitely. No, that doesn't seem surprising. Like I said, you know, uh, people haven't been able to engage with their resources. So if people are in recovery, they may not have been able to go to their meetings or have access to the care that they need. Again, and we're also home alone with our feelings, or we may be in a home with family or others where it's not a good situation. It's not a safe situation. So which leads to more substance use as well. The other consequence of the pandemic is the financial toll. And when jobs are lost, when there's a recession, you do see increases in substance use and abuse and also suicide. If you had the keys to the castle and were able to put a game plan in place that we could really deal with this, not attack it with bumper sticker slogans and stuff like that, but really dig in and be prepared for what we're going to have to deal with, what would you want to see happen? Well, I think the one piece would be obviously investing in mental health professionals, you know, in terms of insurance coverage or just, you know, investing in low cost. I always say like, you know, counselors are there to help and also they need to make a living too. So all counselors can't do all low cost because they also have to support themselves financially, you know, getting that investment and providing those resources. I also think resources into community approach. Um, how do we as a community support one another and help each other? You know, there may never be enough counselors, mental health professionals, licensed providers to provide all the care, but also how does a community take care of one another? How do we support one another um, and support our overall well-being, which is also going to help and improve? So I think kind of the, that two-prong approach would be my vote. Is there anything in history that provides a playbook for what we're dealing with? Because... I think the knee jerk for everyone our age is 9-11, but as big a tragedy as it was, it was, it's different. It was a one time, you know, I, the only thing I can think of, and obviously it's before our time, but was the great depression. When I say that, I just mean wave of bad news after wave of bad news after wave of bad news. And it just, it, it once again, I just keep coming back to the idea. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And I, I don't know if we have a, a specific playbook, you know, we in terms of the pandemic. And I, I agree. I think the Great Depression is something we can kind of go off of. But technology is different. Healthcare is a little bit different. Um, the view of mental health 
care and accessibility mental health care is different. It's gotten better and it's still, you know, far behind what it needs to be. And I think it's, it's hard because it's, it's all about resources typically of like, what are the resources? Where are the resources coming from? What is the support from the government, you know, at a federal, at a state level, at a local level? And if you don't have the resources, it's really hard to do anything. You know, there, there's only so much that you can do. So I, I think, you know, there, there's a sketchbook and I think we're, we're trying to write the playbook as we go along. And like I said, you know, in terms of mental health care, we've had to shift because most therapists are used to being in person and a lot of the mental health care has had to shift online and it's going to probably continue to be online for, for the foreseeable future. Um, like I said, because it isn't safe for us to necessarily be in an office with somebody and, and risking our own well-being. So it, it's a lot to adjust to. It's a lot for everybody on all sides to change and, and to figure out. And just from the standpoint of a counselor, we've kind of been talking to you about your expertise on the public, but how difficult is it for you and people in your field? You are dealing and juggling everything we're all juggling with, but in addition, you're trying to help and process a lot of people's problems as a result of what we're going through. How difficult is it from your standpoint? Yeah, no, I think it's really challenging for for mental health care providers because I think, you know, as much as we care and we want to be there for others, we're experiencing similar things. And I think some counselors are experiencing burdens and burnout because of that of, you know, we have our own personal lives that we're trying to manage, our own family, our own concerns about our well-being, and also others. And, and we're trying to hold both, which I think is very hard. I think some of it helps because it helps humanize us and we, we can really feel what our what our patients and our clients are feeling. That helps with our empathy and being able to understand what somebody's going through. And also it can feel like a lot for me personally and in my department, you know, trying to focus on our own self-care and giving ourselves that space and time. Because I you know, I know I don't think any one of my sessions with one of my patients we haven't talked about the pandemic. We haven't talked about COVID in every session in varying degrees because it's just it's just there. So I think it's it's hard to navigate and it's it's kind of making sure we're using all of our skills, not just in therapy, but also personally with our own self-care, uh, making sure that that you know we're doing okay so we can help others. And if we talk a year or two from now, do you think our situation is worse, better, or are we still kind of just muddling along like we, I feel like we are now. And I don't mean dealing with the pandemic. I just kind of mean dealing with life. Yeah. Well, the hopeful part of me says, I hope we're in a better place. I hope we learn and we, you know, improve upon things. Um, I think the pandemic has highlighted in terms of uh, my, our profession of practicing across state lines um, and how that can be challenging. You know, where I'm in Pennsylvania, but Delaware and New Jersey are very close. And if I'm not licensed in New Jersey and I'm doing teletherapy with a client in New Jersey, I'm not supposed to see them unless I have my license. So I hope it helps advance some of those things and, and kind of makes more of a, a universal licensing or, or a better way to, to navigate that process. The pessimistic side of me is kind of like, I, I you know, there's a chance we we're going to keep muddling along and just being like, okay, well, we're over, we're through the situation. Let's just go back what we were doing. I'm hopeful that that we can kind of create that change. I think there are enough voices and people who are being vocal and who have been vocal um, and will continue to push. So, so we are in a better place, um, living our lives mentally, physically. Um, I hope we learn from, from everything that's happened the past couple months. Specifically with college students, 
it's a generation, you know, that was born right around the time of 9-11. Maybe they, their family lost their house or in the Great Recession at the ages of 9-10. And that stuff can really burn on who you are and, and form a lot of your ideas. And now here in college, they're dealing with this. I, I don't mean individually, but broadly... When you're talking about this generation and all they've already had to deal with before they're even out really into the world, uh, do you have concerns from a positive? Could it learn to deal with adversity and and work through it? Because it once again, it's a lot. Yeah, I think I think it's going to have a negative impact, and I think it's going to be both. I think it's a negative impact and it's going to show the resiliency. It's going to show the learning and the growth and the ability to handle that adversity. I think our college students um, and this, that generation gets a bad name. I think there's a lot of negative talk about them. And I think we don't recognize how resilient they really are and how much they've had to deal with and how, how they do deal with it the best way that they can. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I think some are going to be really negatively impacted. and It's going to have a, a consequence moving forward. I think that's going to be for all of us. And I think there's going to be a large portion where, you know, there is that resiliency, there's that growth and they're going to change the world for the better. I think, I think that's going to lead to a lot of people creating a lot of different change. I think when there's adversity and things like that, I think that sparks creativity um, and development and, and growth. So that that's kind of where I, I'm hopeful for. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.